Today I'm going to hit two topics and I'll just give the overall benefits of listening into the podcast today and then we can go straight into the content as usual. Uh, Today I'm going to address whether or not you need to adjust your calories when you're in a bulk and why sometimes the theory and the practical aspects of incorporating the theory into your daily life might actually bump heads and how to think about overcoming these problems. And the second benefit of listening in today is to help those of you who perhaps are suffering from a lack of motivation with your training. And I'm going to give some personal experiences and share things and tactics and techniques that I use in my own life. And hopefully by listening in on those pieces of advice, you can either use them or maybe change your perspective and find ways for yourself to regain your motivation and get back into the gym and enjoy your training. So on that note, I want to welcome you back to Fitness for Fatherhood. And this is the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness, become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stace Liddell, your host, a qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor, and a freshly minted dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples take control of your health and fitness to become the superhero dad your kids can look up to. Thanks for tuning in once again and I just want to clarify why I was a little bit inconsistent over the last couple of weeks. I picked up a cold and I struggled to stick to my routines because I was a bit ill and the cold hit me harder than normal. I'm not exactly sure why. And then basically as I recovered from the cold, I got smacked with some influenza, some flu. And that really, really wiped me out. And I've only kind of just been piecing things back together as of Wednesday this week. Today is the 3rd of December. Uh, So whatever Wednesday was, uh, I kind of started feeling more like myself again. And I haven't really been sick much in the last four years, other than uh, once off running with COVID last year. And I'm not sure maybe if it's because my immune system sort of like over-responded to the illnesses when I got the cold and the flu, but they really, really knocked me harder than they have in the past. And so um, something that I, <clears throat> I tend to preach is that you should try and get your things done no matter what but in in certain times in life these things do happen when you get knocked off your schedule um yeah so i just wanted to clear that up and on one hand apologize for not being able to produce content as regularly as i'd like to and on the other hand just also admit that sometimes these things happen and they're beyond your control and the goal for me was to try and get back into my routine as soon as I could, as soon as I felt that I could. And so let's hope going forward uh, that I'm going to stay healthy, I normally do, and I can keep on bringing this podcast to you twice a week. So I'd like to begin with the first topic, and I want to talk about the need to adjust maintenance calories during a bulk, and if it's, if it's something we should be doing. Um, I've spoken quite a bit about fat loss in the past, but I, I realize I haven't really touched on bulking and, and caloric intake during bulking. And so 
I want to talk about this intersection between what the theory says, what the literature says on it, and then some of my personal experiences with with bulking and whether the theory works or worked for me, and maybe perhaps in doing so you might see that you run into some of these practical problems when trying to apply the theory. So in theory, I hope that it makes sense that as we gain weight, as we put on size, mass needs more energy, right? More mass equals more energy. So as we bulk and as we pick up weight, as we're going to be adding hopefully more muscle mass while trying to limit the fat that we're putting on, we're still going to have to increase calories in order to continue to bulk. Now, that is obviously the theoretical approach. The problem that happens is that the body doesn't always allow this to happen as easily as what it sounds. So you just think, right, my weight is stalling a bit. Let me just increase calories. What will sometimes happen in practice is that the body will start to resist the caloric increase that you're trying to implement. One of the biggest things that happens to people is as they try to increase their caloric intake, the body actually begins to reduce appetite. And this is something that happens to me every single time I try to bulk. And in my opinion, maybe I'm sort of coping or trying to cope and trying to find ways to justify why my bulks were more difficult than I thought they'd be. But I always felt like my body would start to heavily push back when I ramped up calories, especially at some point I was eating 4,000 roundabout their calories a day. And as someone who didn't weigh very much, I weighed about 72, 73 kilos at the time. I eventually got up to about 81 kilos, um, but it really took me a long time because every time I tried pushing myself a little bit more with food, my appetite seemed to downregulate. And it really hindered my experience of bodybuilding and putting on mass because it wasn't enjoyable because I was kind of forcing myself through those those periods where my body was saying, no, I don't need more food, but I was having to put more food in to grow, if that makes sense. And so that is kind of the scientific proof of the term that you'll often hear in bodybuilding circles and fitness circles of hard gainers, people who struggle to put on weight. And I certainly was somebody in, in my 20s that really struggled to put on weight no matter what I ate, no matter how I trained. And so I want you to just realize that on one hand, some of you are going to experience a real difficulty of adding more calories because your body's simply going to say, no, thank you, and your appetite's going to come down. On the other end of the spectrum, some people actually start storing way too many of the calories. So instead of using the calories for growth and muscle, your body actually starts to put on too much fat. And because you're, it's not guaranteed which way your body's going to go with excess calories, it's very difficult for me, if I'm working with somebody, to give general advice about how to use calories during a bulk and whether we should keep pushing upwards 
or whether we need to maybe go through a maintenance phase or change things up because depending on your individual response, the situation is going to be very, very difficult. So if you're looking for some advice in this particular field of of fitness and trying to gain some weight, the generalized approach, which I said is, is not always the best for the individual, but a good place to start is you need to start in a 0.25% to a 0.5% surplus, caloric surplus. And what you would need to do after you've tried to to increase your calories is you need to see how your body responds and then you need to reiterate and try uh, either speeding it up. So if you finding your weight is not going up quickly enough, you may need to increase that percentage of caloric sur- surplus. If, on the other hand, it's going too quickly and you're picking up tons of fat way too fast, you're going to have to adjust downwards. And so yeah, that's kind of my approach to doing it in a general sense. And because we are all so different, you're going to need to play around with it at an individual level to see whether you're somebody who's going to have an appetite that pushes back on you and is going to try and slow you down. You, you might then, unfortunately, have to force feed through it. Or you're going to have to um, perhaps slow it down if you're someone who picks up weight too quickly. Now, obviously, here I'm specifically really aiming this at people who are particularly interested in competition where gaining mass is just a part of the process to being competitive on stage. Um, so, in, so for example, the term force-feeding, I would never, ever uh, say that to somebody who's just working out to get, a, to get into shape or to look good for just recreational, normal lifestyle purposes. Uh, those terms are specifically geared at those of you who are looking at competing, whether it's in powerlifting or bodybuilding, where weight is important to you and gaining weight is important to you. Um, on the other hand, if you're someone who's just trying to bulk for their own sake to put in a bit more mass, I would seriously, seriously recommend that you speak to a personal trainer, somebody who specifically actually helps contest prep bodybuilders or powerlifters because they will obviously have much more nuance uh, and working one-on-one with them will will give them an opportunity to understand how your body works and then you take it one step at a time with them because you know this podcast I I'm trying to give you know as much general information as as is possible on a platform like this without causing any harm this is not medical advice or uh, this is not advice that'll work for everybody but if you're kind of unable to afford a personal trainer for whatever reason and you don't know where to begin i hope that this gives you sort of a starting point when dealing with a bulk Um, but please do consider working with someone if you have the means to do so the next thing i want to talk about is uh, motivation and what happens when you miss goals, and perhaps how to hold yourself accountable in these kinds of situations. Uh, So I guess maybe to start, let's look at what happens when we miss goals. A lot of people kind of 
get in a situation where they miss a goal and then they get really upset about it and they're worried that this response is a bad thing, that they feel bad and and a little bit of self-loathing and a little bit of guilt comes in. In actual fact, I think it's a good thing if you feel those things. Um, and why? Why do I say that? I say that because if you feel bad for missing your goals, it means that deep down you actually care about your goals and that missing them hurt you in some kind of way because you really wanted to achieve what you set out to in the beginning. This actually excites me as a someone, if I was your personal trainer, I would be excited if you told me that you're upset and guilty because it means that I have something to work with. On the other hand, if you didn't give a shit that you missed your goals, it would be kind of difficult because now we have to completely reassess what's going on because it means that you missed something that you set out to achieve, you don't feel anything, which means the goal wasn't the right goal to focus on in the first place. So when we when we are feeling upset about missing our goals, I think this is a great starting point because then we can work backwards from there and 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 try again and fix whatever happened and work out why we missed out on the goals. If on the other hand, you don't feel upset, you don't feel like anything's wrong, that's a huge restart. We've got to go back to the drawing board and completely restructure goals and priorities and work from a completely blank slate. The next thing I want to touch on is motivation. And here again, very difficult to generalize. And for those of you who don't feel like you have the motivation or you've lost motivation reaching towards your goals, you're going to have to take a look inwards right? Um, You need to do a bit of self-reflection and you need to make sure, the first thing you need to make sure of is that your goals are in fact realistic. If you're not setting realistic goals for yourself and you're missing them because they're completely absurd, then that's something we can correct quite quickly. We can go in and take a look, okay, right, the goal that I set is maybe I put the bar too high, let's bring the bar down Let's get small victories and build momentum again. That's something you can do. What you can also do is you need to assess why you chose the goals you did in the first place. And oftentimes what I like to do here, and I can't remember where I got this from. It may have been from Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why. You need to drill down on that why. You need to ask yourself why, you know, four, five, six times and really find the underlying reasons for you setting the goals that you did if you don't understand that deep why it's very difficult to to understand the reasons for your goals in the first place and remember your goals and your priorities are going to change across time right you might have made a goal three months ago and now you might find yourself losing motivation as you're working towards that goal because in fact it's not important to you anymore it may have it may be that other things have come up in your life and you need to put that goal on the back burner so that you can address the priorities that have come up so i mean it's for me it's pretty obvious that sometimes you're going to have to change your your goals change your priorities and not stick to things that you set in the past just because you set a goal right you don't have to hit a goal for the sake of hitting a goal you need you need to hit the goals that are important to you. And if they change, that's fine. Reassess 
uh, restructure and it will definitely help you get back into your get back into the swing of things and build motivation um, because you you figured out that you're working towards something that you didn't really care about anymore okay so um, another thing that I've found very very important across my experience not only in training and fitness but in other aspects of my life is that you have to do something because you want to do it for yourself don't do things for other people a great example of this is uh, I've given up smoking in my life. I used to be a smoker. I was never a big smoker, more of a social recreational smoker. If I had a couple of drinks, I would also have a puff. And I tried quitting several times because of ex-girlfriends telling me that it was a bad habit or uh, feeling pressure from my parents to stop smoking, or reasons beyond myself. Uh, it was only when I I quit at I think I was thirty years old when I when I stopped completely, and it was only when I decided that it was me that wanted to do it that the choice actually became very very easy, and I was able to basically, not even basically, I was able to stop cold turkey. Um, I I can remember the the night clearly. I was having a beer and a cigarette at a house sitting house that I was looking after, and I think I took about two or three puffs of the cigarette, and I was just quite disgusted with the taste of it. And I just said, "Well, that's it. I no longer get anything from this. I don't enjoy it. I'm done." And because I made the decision for myself, it was much easier to be motivated to quit and the same thing happened uh, more recently when I stopped drinking alcohol just over a year ago I didn't stop uh, for anybody else or for any other reason other than the fact that I wanted to stop to see what it would be like for myself to try and and be sober and what I could get out of it so um Yes, yeah, so just make sure when you're setting these goals, when you're setting out to do something, do it for yourself. I know it might sound selfish to do things like that, but sometimes a little bit of selfishness is the best way to drive motivation and action. And another thing that we need to look at when talking about motivation is the whole process of training. Are you somebody who likes to train or is training or and exercise and sports something that's a bit of a schlep for you to do? The reason why this is so important is that if you don't understand the incentives that drive you, it's very difficult to fix and change your behavior. And for me, it's very difficult to relate to people who don't enjoy the process of exercise because I'm somebody who loves exercising. I love, especially my weight training routine that I have. It's some of the be- some of the best minutes, hours of my week are the times that I spend in the gym um, because I've got a very overactive mind and when I'm in the gym, it's a time that my mind actually just is able to sh- kind of shut down and focus on the weight training and, and the lifting that I'm trying to do in that moment. So for me, it's almost like a meditative experience 
when I go into the gym and I train. And I know a lot of people can relate to that that experience of it kind of being a step away from the from the busyness of the world. And so, as I was saying, yeah, it's very hard for me to to relate with people who don't like to exercise, just because my in my own personal experience, I'm not like that. So, if you are somebody who doesn't like exercise, you need to figure out what exactly are the barriers that are stopping you from enjoying the process of training. You need to break those down. You need to work out what your barriers are because once you work those barriers out, you then can find ways to make training more enjoyable. And again, it goes back to finding out things that you that you like to do, that you want to do for yourself. Um, for example, I enjoy I didn't enjoy running very much and uh, last year I set off for the idea of running a marathon unfortunately I did experience an injury to my knees so I I never reached that goal but I did do um, quite a lot of training especially with 10ks and the way that I motivated and incentivized myself to do it is through my competitive side so I, I'm someone who loves competition and loves loves a bit of a fight. And so I gamified my running experience. I had this app that I used to help me increase my 10K speed and to help me increase my pace and all those kinds of things and, and uh, build better cadence in my running. And so I started uh, sort of making small little games within each run that I was doing to make it more interesting for me to be out on the road. And so instead of it being just a run for 10 kilometers, it became almost like a real-life video game for me, hitting targets within each run, hitting certain paces, um, hitting certain distances within certain times. And that really helped me uh, start to enjoy the process of running. And by by the time I, I had my knee injury, I was actually loving running and looking forward to trying to break uh, little records and personal bests that I'd set on the previous run and things like that. So for me, that was a way to gamify my experience and make it competitive to myself. I wasn't running against anyone else. I was running against myself. And so you need to figure out what exactly you can do to help maybe if, if you want gamify your experience or make it slightly more fun for you to get involved in your exercise regime. Um, I think in my experience, most people like winning, right? And with weight training, you can design your program in such a way that each session you have a win. And that's something that I also do with my weight training. So uh, in every session that I go to, I use an app that I've I've spoken about many times called Strong. So I I uh, track every single workout, every single lift, every single set. And I try to at least hit one PB every time I go to the gym. Sometimes I hit more. Sometimes I I don't hit any. And those are, are, are often like days where I'm a bit tired or I don't have the energy to do so. Or I didn't eat enough nutrition. And I don't have the energy to, to hit a PB. And it doesn't always have to be a PB for like max weight lifted. It could be that uh, normally I, 
when I bench press 60 kilos, I normally can rep, for example, 15 reps for 60 kilos, and that's a good a good weight and a good rep range for me. I might say, okay, right, what is the most I've ever repped for 60 kilos? And I can then try and break that record. So it's not a very strenuous thing to do, but it's a small win that I otherwise might not have had if I didn't track my workouts in the past. So I've got all my history stored on my phone and every single workout, I can find a way to win in the gym. And this is something that everybody can do. And it's a way, again, for me, it's leaning into that competitive side that I have. Um, and that obviously might not work for everybody out there, but the the core of what I'm saying here is you need to find out what works for you, what drives you, what motivates you, what incentivizes you, um, and this will help you to break through the obstacles and barriers that you may have to training. Um, another example of a barrier that I've run into is when I was younger, I used to really enjoy long workouts. I used to love doing, you know, hour, sometimes hour and a half in the gym. I just, I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities and commitments when I was in my 20s. So spending an hour or two in the gym wasn't a problem. I didn't have anywhere I had to be. I was a university student. I had lots of free time. But what I found now in my 30s, I'm a father, I've got a wife, I've got work, um, I don't have as much free time. And uh, I think this year, no, end of last year, I was starting to lose motivation of training. And I realized one of the main reasons for that was that I was spending about 75 minutes in the gym, an hour and 15 in the gym, and the workouts did feel as if they were dragging a little bit. I felt as if I could achieve the same thing by shortening my workouts. Part of the problem was I was only training three times a week, so I think I extended my workouts because I felt like I wasn't going frequently enough. And so what I did is I reassessed, I added more days of training, I now train four or five times a week, but I never really train more than 50 minutes at a time. 40 to 50 minutes is my sweet spot. And it's really, really helped me to get motivated to train again because I know that I, it's a race against the clock when I go to gym. Um, and it's not, a, it's not that I'm not doing things properly. It's just that I know that I can get a proper workout done in that time frame if I do my rest periods properly and if I don't really waste time in the gym, which I can't afford to do anymore. And so that's another way that I've made gymming more fun and exciting for myself is that I know it's not going to take more than an hour of my day to complete what I have to do in the gym. And so I hope that um, you can find ways to make sticking to your commitments uh, a little bit easier for yourself. And it goes back to that old saying of know thyself, right? I think that was above the oracle at Delphi uh, that was written there. If you know yourself, you can you can find ways to improving it better. And yeah, I guess just to wrap up on the second point, the key things are do what you enjoy. And if it's something that you're not quite enjoying as much as you can, find ways to make it enjoyable. Ask yourself, what are you trying to get out of your training? And if what you're training and how you're training don't really match what you're trying to achieve, reassess and and find a way to match what you want from your training with your actual training. Ask yourself what's important to you. 
That's another great question to ask yourself. And as I said, what are the obstacles and how can you manipulate these obstacles so that they serve you rather than block you? All right, so I hope that those are some practical pointers that you can take away and try and apply to your current situation. And as always, stay safe, stay strong, and become the superhero dad that your kids can look up to. Cheers, and uh, hope you tune in again next week.